Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So it's just waiting for Sheikh Ibrahim to join. And uh, inshallah, we will be speaking about debt today. Assalamu alaikum. Can you hear me? Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yes, we can hear you. And uh, can you see me as well? <clears throat> no, we can't see you yet. Yeah, I think the, there's a problem with either my phone or the internet. I had the same problem yesterday as well, so it's possible that uh, it's my phone. Allah, make it easy. Uh, you had mentioned that, inshallah, today we'll be speaking about debt. So maybe if you could uh, give us a brief overview on roughly the points we want to touch on. Yes, so Alhamdulillah, we, we wanted to talk about debt because basically there's uh, a lot of people that are taking on debts today. A lot of people are living on credit. Uh, they go to the bank or they go to family members, borrow money and live off that money. Uh, and these are debts that they're taking on, but sometimes cannot pay back or don't know how to deal with. And then when they can't pay back, they become anxious, they become stressed out. So I think it's important to talk about debt and how a person, how Islam sees debt, basically, the, the, the general understanding uh, of debt in Islam. So first of all, what do you think, like, in, in what light has Islam portrayed debt? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. When we look at, I'm just looking at one of the comments, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. When we look at debt, we find that in Islam, in the Sharia, we find there is no encouragement. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, no the messenger has encouraged us to take on debt. Because debt, at the end of the day, are rights that need to be owed to other people. As mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah, when it comes to debt, if a person has to take it out, you're forced to, you're in a difficult position, then when you go and get this uh, a loan from somebody, Obviously, there shouldn't be interest involved. It should be halal. Thereafter, you have to look at how you are going to pay it back. Remember, as we mentioned, we're not encouraging somebody to take on debt. And I think it's important to mention that the system we are in today, because it's a debt-based system, it doesn't really encourage people to save their money. If you're saving your money, inflation is going to eat it. So because of inflation, they are encouraging you, number one, to spend it, and number two, to take on more debt. So we shouldn't be stuck in this environment, especially if we don't need to. You don't need the, if you don't need the latest car or you don't need the best house, why go out and get it? Yes, you know, uh, what happens when a person has taken a debt and they don't pay it back or they have no intention of paying it back. They take it in the first place, not intending to pay it back. Would this be, you know, uh, of course, it's something bad. But do, do any ahadith come to light with regards to uh, someone of this uh, nature? As mentioned, where uh, Islam doesn't encourage people to get into debt. Let's say somebody is forced to. Now we look at your intention. If you are sincere you need this money and your intention is to pay it back, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help you pay off this debt, whether it's in this world or the next. And if you are insincere, as the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, the one who takes other people's money 
with the intention of not paying it back, with the intention of destroying this wealth, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will destroy him. So the very first thing, if you are forced to take a loan or to take on debt, your intention must be clean. It must be for something that you are going to do and you want to pay it back. Yes, if, if we take debt intending to pay it back, then the hadith actually makes it clear that uh, Allah will pay it back for you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will pay it back for you. So when you take it, how you are feeling in your heart and what you are intending is of utmost importance. Uh, you need to remind yourself time and again that it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who sees my intention. And if I purify it for him, then he will pay my debt back for me. He will give me a way out to pay this debt, uh, etc. But if we take that debt just intending to blow the money, so to speak, then the hadith actually says that uh, Allah destroys such a person. So not only in this dunya, but you lose out in this dunya. And if that debt carries on into the akhirah, then you will have to face the consequences uh, regarding that debt. As you mentioned, the very first part is the intention. Now somebody may say, I have a good intention, so I'm taking money from everybody else. And they're not doing anything to get that money back to pay it off. Here, do we say it's enough? No. In other ahadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, if somebody passed away, one of the first questions he would ask is, is this person in debt? Does he owe money to anybody? If they said no, he would perform the janazah salah upon him. If they said yes, then he would say, sallu ala sahibikum. Basically, he didn't want to lead the janazah salah for somebody who was in debt because these are rights and somebody you know he says in one of the hadith where one of the sahaba عنهم, a man was in debt and rasulullah didn't want to perform his janazah so one of the sahaba said oh messenger of allah i'll take on that uh, i'll take on the debt and i'll pay it off so rasulullah performed salah upon this person who died after a day or two he asked this companion have you paid off the debt he said not yet Eventually, a few days later, when he saw him again, he said, have you paid off the debt? And he said, yes. He said, now you, that person's body yani, buried. Basically, he's become free of that of those rights. So if you are still in debt, even if you are, even if you have the highest of rank and you have the best of deeds, you will not be able to attain your bounties and your rewards until that debt is paid off. Yes, you know, a lot of people need to be, their attention needs to be brought to this, that if your debt is not paid off, then that is a genuine reason why you may be punished in the grave. So uh, you need to make sure that you pay your debts off whilst you can. You know, sometimes we find people have the money to buy something, but they prefer to buy it with credit. Why? Because you know what? I'll use that money to do something else. Why do you want to take on debt when you know that you've got the money in order to pay for it? Pay for it. If you die like that, alhamdulillah, you've died debt free. Yes, in a circumstance and situation where you must take uh, or borrow some money, then do it with the right intention. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will most definitely uh, reward you. Uh, what advice would you have for a person who is in debt and wants to pay it back but just can't? So obviously a person 
first and foremost, as we mentioned, his intention, he must be sincere. The second thing, he must make a lot of dua. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The one who owns everything is able to pay off your debt. Your debt is small and minute compared to all that he has. So carry on asking him. Also, this is a test for you. At the same time, start doing something. Go out. Maybe you have four or five cars that you are using, but you owe people 100,000, 200,000. Start selling some of the cars you don't need. Keep your bare essentials. Remember, you are still in debt if you have four or five houses, but you still owe another person a million dollars. Well, start making plans because those houses are not your necessity. You have five or six and you don't really need them. So at times we find, as you mentioned, that some people have the money, but they don't want to pay. And they'll mention the hadith that, you know, Rasulullah he mentioned that you must forgive a person in debt and there's a lot of reward, etc., etc. And there are also ayat. Yes, we agree. But when we look at debt, we find Islam and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the messenger, they've addressed the person who gave out the loan to be easy going, etc. But they've also addressed the one who took on debt. One of the things he says is the one who actually has the money and he owes it, but he is delaying. This is oppression. It is not allowed. Yes, yes. You know, someone asked a very interesting question here, and that is, can you talk about credit cards? Uh, are they advised to use? Well, I think... Uh, uh, there's a lot of different cards. I'm going to give you a general guideline. I'm not going to speak about a specific bank or specific country, etc. In this topic, this is basically the topic I study now. I've been studying for quite a long time. Basically, when you look at the cards, let's say we are speaking uh, hypothetically, we are looking at a perfect scenario. Let's say there's somebody or there's a bank that doesn't deal in, uh, in interest or anything haram. We are saying this just uh, so we can imagine this, whether it's there on the ground or not. Nonetheless, when it comes to your visa or your MasterCard or whatever, a lot of times you want to buy online. You can't buy with your debit card. You can't do this. If your bank is giving you the option of something interest free, then you should take it. However, in some of the countries we live in, there is no uh, haram free option. So here, and you would find that a credit card is a necessity today. So here, some of the scholars have mentioned that this would be allowed if somebody is in need. Yes, a lot of people take uh, these credit cards and go out there, swipe whatever for whatever they want, uh, literally blow up that uh, credit that they've got and don't think about the time that they have to pay it back. Uh, and, you know, because it's not physical, tangible, so you don't actually realize how much you're spending. You go and you see that, okay, my credit card's got a limit of 5,000. Let me just go and spend. And they don't think of the time that they've got to pay that uh, back within. And if they don't, they're going to have a lot more interest to pay as well. So I, I think generally, you know, credit cards, uh, like you were saying, we won't talk specifically about any card, but uh, with regards to your money as well that you have in the bank and with the cards that you've got, try to remember that you're spending uh, resources that you have at your disposal. So we, we need to bear that in mind because today, uh, the, it being electronic money, plastic money, you know, that which we don't see, uh, people don't actually realize how much they're spending. And then they go back at the end of the day, sit and look at their accounts and say, wow, we've spent so much, you know, we could have saved X amount. And unfortunately, by then it's too late.
You, you know, something else, uh, when it comes to the cards we spoke about, uh, just now somebody may say in the comments, oh, you're allowing interest, etc., etc. You have to understand, let's be practical. Yes, there are countries where you can get a card and there's no interest involved. So you're 30 days or 40 days, whatever. After that, they're not charging you anything. There are banks like that available. However, most of the countries being realistic, we are saying a person needs a credit card. He needs to get a few things. He needs to buy some things. He needs it for his business. There is no halal option. We are talking about what does he do here. So we're not encouraging anybody and we're not saying it's halal to get into an interest contract. But let's say a person is in need. We are only mentioning what some of the other scholars have already mentioned. And for more detail, you should ask your local scholar. He would be more aware of the specific bank and specific rules, etc. Yes, uh, we, we find a lot of businesses also, uh, you know, have been established through debt, etc., or with debt. And uh, sometimes, you know, it becomes difficult. It becomes hard for people to pay that debt off later. Uh, when you take the debt, you don't realize how hard it will be uh, to pay it back. So it, at times, it's better to do business within your means. So if you can afford to spend 5000 or risk $5,000, then risk that 5000 If you can afford to risk 10000 of your own money, then risk 10000 But if you can't afford to risk more than that, and you want to take a debt of or a loan of forty to fifty thousand, uh, you you really need to know what you're doing because you can end up losing everything altogether. Most definitely, and as you mentioned, when you sit with uh, some of the businessmen or when you look at some of the people who've taken out this debt, it's because they want to keep up with others. As you mentioned, they want for the saying is they want to keep up with the Joneses. Live within your means. You can afford a Toyota. You don't need to go and get credit and take out a Merc. Everybody may be doing it. Credit money may be cheap. The banks may be giving you deals, especially now when the interest rates are almost at zero and they're trying to encourage lending and people to take on debt to stimulate the economy. You've got to be aware of this. Tomorrow, the interest rates may go up. You have to negotiate your contract again. So there's a lot of detail involved. Basically, in a nutshell, Islam does not encourage you to get into debt in the first place. We are talking about somebody who needs to get or who needs to take out a loan, even if it's, a, you know, as you mentioned, for your business or you need a house. Then the scholars have mentioned a lot of detail when it comes to this, and you are better off asking your local scholar. Yes, yes, yes. Someone's just mentioned here uh, that most businesses uh, are with debt, with debt, are in a lot of trouble as a result of COVID-19. So th this is something that I, I don't know. Uh, give, give us your advice. Give us what you what you think. I think the comment there, I, it's it's proof to show that when times are good, people want to take on debt, debt, debt. And they don't realize that tomorrow something may happen, the whole ball game changes, and then you are in spot of bother, you're in trouble, they want to take away your business, your house, your car, and everything else. So if you didn't need to go into debt in the first place, you shouldn't have gone. And this is one of the lessons that we learn from this. As for a specific fatwa about the current virus or whatever, as we mentioned, ask your local scholar. We don't want to give a blanket something is halal and allowed. So I think it would be best to ask your local scholar. Yes, you know, when you say that live within your means, I think that's half of the reason why people end up taking debt because 
they feel like, look, uh, this man has got a Mercedes, I need a Mercedes. They, they see a person with a beautiful house, I also need to live in a really nice house. So they end up going out there, getting a mortgage, taking, buying a car on higher purchase, just to show others that they've got. But in reality, they're actually living in a whole lot of debt. And when uh, push comes to shove, all of a sudden, like right now, uh, the brother mentioned how this pandemic is causing a lot of problems for people. So you didn't keep this in mind. You didn't even know it was going to happen. So now you can't pay back your mortgage. You can't pay back your uh, for, for your car. So everything, like you mentioned, is taken away from you and you, you've lost everything. So you were operating on credit, whereas you could have tried to keep within your means and uh, survive. It wouldn't affect you that much when something uh, of this nature happened. Uh, a lot of times, it's unnecessary things, Sheikh, that uh, they they buying. So you know, it's it's things that you don't even need to live with. You can live with that Toyota, like you said. But the guy wants a Mercedes because he wants to, uh, you know, be seen as a figure in in society. Most definitely, as you mentioned, people want to they spend this money a lot of times on luxuries, and they want to give out an image. That, that which they actually are not. I was reading the seerah today where they were speaking about the humbleness and humility of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when it came to his clothes. Yes, he dressed well, but he didn't wear anything that, was, uh, that stood out and was so expensive that was beyond his means. Again, his conveyance of transport, he used what other people used at his time. He rode a camel, he rode a donkey, he rode a horse, and he also rode a mule. And at times, the companions around him, if they didn't have some transport, he being the leader, the one in charge, the one who everybody sought, he would actually share those vehicles with them. So what I want to mention is that look at the message of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Yes, he lived within his means. There was a question at the bottom speaking about uh, tuition fees and that. Uh, personally, I, Alhamdulillah, we've never been in a position to take on debt for tuition especially. However, Let's put halal and haram on the side for a minute and let's look at this in a different light. Is, does your life depend on university? Does your life depend on a degree? Does your life depend on somebody telling you or giving you a piece of paper that says you are successful? You know, a lot of times I think uh, people who, because they see everybody in academia going through the system, they think that is the only route to success, not realizing, you know what, if yes, if you're doing it because you like it or you need to do it or you're able to pay it, we're not talking about you. We're talking about somebody who just wants a job at the end of the day. They just want a degree and they think the only way to get it is to go through the system, get into debt and get your certificate. There's other ways of doing it. The, the new social media trend and all this entrepreneurship, look into it, read about it. School is not the only way. University is not the only way. Yes, you know, the hadith says, As far as I'm sure, uh, it's a hadith from Rasulullah Sallallahu that says nine-tenths of rizq is in uh, business. So, you know, we've been taught to go to school to actually learn things that will teach us how to run and manage other people's businesses and help them grow. And if you look at how universities, even the current day courses, etc., came about, 
it, it was through this type of industrial revolution in, in uh, a lot of these countries where people had started producing, manufacturing. They now required people of different levels. So they sent them to school, started teaching them and told them, you know, from the production line, we'll, re we'll move you up to this line. And then from there, we'll take you further up and further up. So it's, they were literally sent to go and learn how to build other people's businesses. Whereas you can build your own, you can try yourself. Most definitely. I think where we come from, because we're from the third world, the people, they think like that more. They think more business-wise, owning your own thing. But there's also people who live in the first world. We're not throwing shade completely on academia. We are saying that, do you really, do you feel or do you think that the only way to have a successful life and have a, a good pay is to get into debt and go through the system? If you don't like it, don't do it. There are other ways, start trying. There's one, two, three different ways of doing it. Many, many different ways of doing it. So that's what we're talking about. Yes, and I, I also feel like one of the reasons people take on debt is because they want to succeed today and they can't wait for 10 years, five years, 10 years, 20 years. Whereas when our fathers and our forefathers came, they worked very hard for many years and they, uh, toiled and suffered and they knew that sometime in the future definitely Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant me you there's nothing wrong with hoping for success tomorrow overnight but you should be working for it and don't give up uh, because you failed at something so people want it tomorrow so they take on huge debt in order to uh, start up whereas you can start small and, and build from there there's nothing wrong with that uh, we see businesses where a person is not even so well educated, but it takes them 10, 15, 20 years. And eventually the, the man has built something of value. Uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants him uh, barakah in that. Uh, someone asked a question here uh, about how we can attract more barakah towards our businesses that uh, run without debt. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says in the hadith, speaking about the buyer and seller, فَإِنْ صَدَقَ وَبَيَّنَا بُورِكَ لَهُمَا فِي بَيْعِهِمَا If both the buyer and the seller are truthful, the buyer giving his product is not telling a lie. He's not saying it's a new product or the best on the market where it's not. And the seller who's taking it, if he's taking it on credit, he's not taking it with the intention of not paying back. Both of them are truthful. بُورِكَ لَهُمَا فِي بَيْعِهِمَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant them barakah in their transaction. If both of them had to deceive one another, they both had to lie. Somebody's hiding something from another person. You're hiding the fact that there's something wrong with your product. You're hiding the fact that you may not have money in your account. You're going to write a check that's going to bounce. The barakah, the blessings in that, in that transaction are taken away. Yes, 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 yes. This is where people feel like they they should lie in order to gain something uh, very, you know, quickly. But in reality, what they're doing is removing the barakah from there. You know, I I actually read a hadith that says, uh, a hadith could say that, أَنَا ثَالِثُ الشَّرِيْكَيْنِ مَا لَمْ يَكُنْ يَخُنْ أَحَدُهُمَا صَاحِبَهُ فَإِنْ خَانَهُ خَرَجْتُ مِنْ بَيْنِهِمَا that I am the third of two partners. Obviously, there are no partners in worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what is meant here is that Allah, he, he, he provides you with barakah and goodness and in the way that he is meant to be with you in that partnership. So long as one of you does not deceive the other, 
The minute he deceives him, I leave that partnership altogether, meaning I no longer grant them the barakah and the sustenance uh, that they were supposed to have from that partnership. So when you try and uh, deceive each other, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leaves you to yourselves and then you are left to your own and there is no barakah, no guidance, no help. So in that case, you are deemed to, to, to fail, uh, if not financially, then Islamically. Most definitely. You know, I think it's a very important topic that a lot of people are, well, it concerns a lot of people. You know, we're reading some of the, the comments or some of the questions in the thread. There's a lot that people relate to, and it's important to mention this. One of the brothers said that, what if parents passed away and they left debt or the father was in debt? Amazingly, I was reading today the hadith of Jabir radiallahu anhu in Sahih al-Bukhari. He says when his father, Abdullah ibn Amr ibn Haram, when he passed away, he was in debt. He had he needed to owe people some money. So look at how the son Jabir radiallahu anhu says that I tried to pay it off. He then says how he went to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, asking the messenger to go to speak to these people, you know, to lessen the debt or to forgive the debt. And they refused. After that, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, basically in the hadith, it's mentioned how he ordered him to go to the garden or his orchard, his date trees, and get the dates and start paying off the people. What I want to mention here is, look at how Jabir radiallahu anhu, the son, he obeyed his parents even after they passed away. He knew that his father was in debt and he needed to pay it off. Another important thing to mention, and we touched on this on the topic of inheritance. When somebody dies and they leave their estate, their wealth, before this wealth is distributed to the inheritors, there are other rights that need to be fulfilled. One of them being debt. Your father, for example, let's say he left a million dollars, but he owes somebody a million dollars. Here you'll have to take that money and pay this person who he owes first before you get anything. And if there's nothing remaining, then the inheritors don't get anything. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, you know, when it comes to taking debt, are we allowed to take debt for absolutely no reason? So, for example, a person has uh, no actual requirement or need for it but they just take it to do something uh, minor or go on holiday or, or do something that is not really, really required in their life at that moment. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, Islam doesn't encourage debt. As for saying it's haram, I don't know. I, I haven't found anything to say it's haram to take out or to take on credit for a luxury, for example. I haven't found anything to say it's haram. But at the same time, you must remember that if you do that, there are rights that will need to be fulfilled. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam says, you will most definitely give everybody their right in full, if not in this world, on the day of Qiyamah. You know, someone here asked a very interesting question. What about liability, son and daughter, uh, same, same liability or any difference? Meaning, do they, does the son and the daughter hold the same liability? Who is it that the liability of debt passes on to after uh, a person has passed on? Look, after a person has passed on, we mentioned that if they left something behind, we will take it from this wealth. Now, let's say they've left nothing behind. Who takes it on? Do they have to take it on? There's a lot of detail mentioned there, and I think you should ask your local scholar. Yeah, that, that's a good uh, answer. Jazakallah khair. We've really benefited from that. Uh, 
Alhamdulillah, there's a brother saying here, uh, Abdurrahman, he says, uh, Allah bless you, brothers, extremely beneficial discussion and advice. Uh, Alhamdulillah, I think like we were saying, uh, these type of discussions really benefit us all. Uh, so we learn and uh, we hope to, to benefit others as well. Amin, Amin. You know, it's a very, this topic, whether it's to do with debt and banks and cards, it involves people's day-to-day -day lives. Everybody, everybody, or almost everybody, every day is using their card. They need to use the bank. They need to use this. You can look at it from an uh, idealist's perspective, basically trying to look at the ideal situation to say there must be no riba. And these people who are saying Islamic finance, they are allowing haram. And you can look at it from the opposite side to say that these people are saying that uh, those who say everything is halal or a lot of things are halal, they say, no, you people are making it difficult for the people. And I think the solution when it comes to this is we need to make effort. The system itself, and I encourage you to read up on the system and how it works, the fiat money system. The system itself is not designed to have uh, an to, to be interest free. They need to stimulate, they need to encourage spending, etc., etc. We are now in a position where we have to use the system. So there are those who tried to get it to the most halal they could. So if it was 100% haram, they tried to fix 10, 20, 30, 40%. And we thank them, Jazahumullahu khairan, may Allah reward them. But at the same time, we should mention, that there are certain transactions that on paper, sometimes they show the scholars and the scholar may sign on paper, it looks right. But what's being practiced is interest or something that is completely haram. Another important thing to mention is that those who sit back and only criticize, well, it's time we also stood up and did something. You know, I always give an example of uh, when we look at the current system, we have the monetary system. It's like a tall building, 10 floors. We, as uh, those people who are trying to make it Islamic, are looking at one floor and trying to make it good and posh and clean for everybody. However, the building itself may collapse at any time. So we, at the same time, we are trying to correct this side. We have to be making our own building, whether it's a, a different way of doing it, a different system, whether it's gold-based or gold, whatever it may be. But we also have to be looking at alternatives. Yes, I think that part of things is ignored. A lot of the times we end up talking about how uh, interest is haram and uh, how, how, how do we deal with a certain situation with regards to the current situation on the ground. But we don't think about how we can set up our own system that is halal, that is perfectly fine for us to deal in. Uh, we, we tend to ignore this and, and leave it. People uh, want to, you know, work on uh, basically the existing system. Whereas even if you look at Islamic finance, we won't go into the details, but it is to do with the existing system that is in place. And you, you're dealing with that and trying to refine it to make it as halal as possible. Whereas uh, you have... You, you, there is a possibility of you creating another system altogether, uh, which I fully agree with you. I know that's very forward thinking, but we have to have uh, people who, who think like this in the Ummah. You know, most definitely. I think uh, when it comes to change, especially in, uh, in these topics, we are not speaking about bid'ah. We are not speaking about innovation in religion where somebody is coming with a new act of worship. No, we're speaking about change technology that helps people we shouldn't always be, you know, stuck to what we grew up with. This is wrong. This no. 
study it. You may be able to uh, use it in some way or another. You, you may be able to benefit somebody else. So you should always be open to new ideas that would improve the lifestyle of others. We're not saying things which are haram and we're not saying innovation in the religion. We are talking about something which is mubah and permissible. So for example, if it comes tomorrow to uh, making solar cars and where you don't really need fuel and that and it will help people, etc., etc., you have knowledge in that, well, by all means, go and try and do it. You are helping people, you are helping humanity as a whole. You know, someone asked a question about mortgage and uh, they were saying, like, is it better for them to stay in mortgage, uh, in, in debt for 30 years, or it's better for them to keep paying rent until they can afford to save that amount of money to pay for a house? Uh, but I think with questions like these, uh, like we've always said, refer to your local scholars because they are more uh, you know, aware of your situation, what's going on, your particular uh, current living situation in that area, etc. So Allah knows best. We'd, we'd rather leave these questions uh, to, to be posed to local scholars who have more knowledge of the current, uh, the, the actual situation on the ground. Most definitely, because you would find that some scholars from uh, a certain place in the world, they may see differently as others, as, as other scholars from another place in the world. Everybody knows their situation and uh, it is better for us here because we don't know what's going on instead of saying halal and haram. You should remember that when you are giving a ruling or a fatwa, as the scholars mentioned, it's as though you're signing off to say, this is most definitely what Allah wants you to do. And uh, we are in no position to do that, especially with such a, uh, with the world being so diverse and people's living situations differing from place to place, time to time. At the same breath, I want to mention that a lot of times when this question comes up, it's because you've got a job and then every time when your pay comes into the bank, then they take a little bit for the mortgage, etc. Maybe another way you can look at it is try and have something on the side. Uh, you know, someone might say, I'm working 10, 12 hours a day. Well, take out another hour, two hours with the correct intention, maybe buy and sell something on the side. Uh, you know, have your own little side hustle, as they call it. And you can try and whether it's own your house or pay off your other debts. A lot of people have done this. Don't think it's impossible. And uh, yes, we wish you all the best. Also, Sheikh, if you have a business and your customers are paying with credit cards, does the money become haram? Because with credit cards, they pay interest. That's you receiving money, right? I don't, I don't think that that affects you in any way. So if someone, if, if their money was haram, but they came and gave it to you, uh, it was haram because of interest, they came and gave it to you, that doesn't affect your business because it's halal for you to take. It's haram for them to have engaged in that. Uh, that that's assuming that the, this uh, situation is one where the person who's paying is paying with something, uh, some haram uh, earned income. Yes, I think you put it rightly there. Some haram earned income. So we're not speaking about somebody who's gone and stolen money, etc. No, we're speaking about somebody, maybe they've got interest. The money itself is not dirty or it is not impure. It is haram for this person to use because he got it in a wrong way. But if he comes to your place or your shop and he pays with that money, you've, you're just receiving it and you taking it. Another important mas'ala to mention here is that sometimes, uh, in fact, most of the times where people live is uh, the bank accounts you open, a lot of times they will give you interest. 
they, a lot of times they will give you interest for keeping your money there. Some people take that money and they destroy it. They say it's impure, they throw it away, they burn it. Uh, that would actually, uh, that wouldn't actually be the best way of doing it, of doing things. The best way of doing things in that situation, you take that haram money that somebody gave you. We're not talking about your business. Let's say you have a bank account and they give you interest on the money you've put in. Take that money, dispose of it, give it, dispose of it in the correct way by giving it to somebody in need or doing some sort of good work without you benefiting from it because it's interest. You're not allowed to benefit from it. However, the money is there. So give it to a poor person, somebody who's going to use it. Sheikhana, confirm with, uh, for, for me, uh, I may be wrong in this, but when a person has earned haram money for a long time uh, and they pass on, then the inheritors, it becomes halal for them, but it was haram for this person in his lifetime. So, for example, a person has earned haram money from interest, they gave loans and they got interest back, and they now passed away. Their estate, half of it or three quarters of it might be based on interest, whatever the percentage. So are the children then allowed to take that money or should they dispose of it? Uh, I don't know. Wallahu alam. All I can say is that let's say a person is in the home, the father is getting money and he's supporting the children. Let's say he's getting it through interest. For him, it's haram. For the children, they, it's halal for them because they haven't done anything wrong. Adding to your question, Let's say the person left an estate and is full of interest, etc., etc. Let's say these inheritors took it on and they inherited it. We would say here that firstly, uh, if you in any of these agreements where there's interest, etc., try to you know put it to a stop. Sometimes, if people are multi-millionaires, billionaires, it may be difficult to stop it immediately. But slowly, slowly, you must try and make that effort how best possible. So yes. As for the, the wealth inherited, I think you are correct on that, but we will recheck it. Uh, uh, also, we, we need to remind the, the, the viewers and uh, everyone out there listening that um, when you take a debt, then write it down. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu idha tadayantum bidaynin ila ajalim musamman faktubuh. When you take a debt to a specific time, then write it down. Uh, it's very, very important to write down because at times, you know, brothers and sisters, uncles and aunts, family, you feel like, ah, this is family. It doesn't matter. I don't need to write it down. He knows that I owe him X amount. Uh, there's no big deal. But in that case, I think it's more important to write down because just in case something goes wrong, you've got family as well uh, that's there. Uh, a relationship. So you've got to be careful. Uh, it's very easy for any of us to get. You know, that's a very, very, very important point you mentioned there. And sometimes people feel, you know, they feel offended if you want to write something down. And I think one of the best ways I found to actually get this writing done without offending a person, basically you say, if they are Muslim, you say, you know what, Allah ordered me to do this. And he, he promised a reward. Basically, an ibadah is anything that Allah loves. So we will be rewarded. I want reward and I also want reward for you. So let's write it down for the barakah. If it's a non-Muslim, you can tell them that this is what my religion teaches. It's not only for barakah and to protect my rights. It's also to protect your rights. Well, what if the children have knowledge that the father's earnings are haram? So they know that their father is earning haram. He's a loan shark or he's doing something 
uh, is earning from uh, haram means. What, what do they do? You know, can they eat from his wealth? Uh, what's the story there? I think you would have to look into this into more detail. What haram are we talking about? Are we talking about somebody who is dealing in drugs, doing something illegal? Then this is, I think, something different altogether where you don't keep quiet and carry on eating. Somebody's doing something completely wrong. Maybe they're trading in body parts or organs, etc., and selling and buying on a certain market. Here we can't say that just, you know, keep quiet and carry on eating. So I think there's more detail. More specifically, I think we were referring to interest and not money that was stolen or usurped from somebody else, property that was taken unjustly. We are, we're not uh, talking about that. I think those will have their own rulings. Sheikh Ibrahim? Uh, Sheikh, uh, my internet is getting bad again. Shall we call it a day? No. Uh, yes, I think there's one more thing to mention is that some people, they want to make tawbah. There comes a time in a person's life where he wants to make tawbah. So you've earned your wealth through haram. Let's say your whole empire is built on haram interest and wrong deals, etc., etc., etc. Now there's a time you come and you want to make tawbah. Must you give all your wealth up? Or is, is there a way, is there another way of doing it? Here we'll say, make tawbah, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive you, and you keep your wealth also. And that is the most, not only most correct opinion, wallahu alam, but also the most practical. You know, you cannot uh, throw a person far away from tawbah and tell him you've earned $10 million with interest or haram. Now you must give it away in order for your tawbah to be accepted. No, we here we would say, make tawbah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, will forgive you, he's Ghafoor Rahim, and uh, try to use your wealth for good deeds. But we don't want to, you know, discourage him from making tawbah. Yes, yes, yes. I think that's a, a big point where a lot of people feel like if I make tawbah, I'm going to have to give up all my money and uh, why should I do this, etc. So it's actually something that makes them uh, keep away from that tawbah. It keeps them away from it and they feel like they're distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they have no chance at all uh, whatsoever. I think uh, a topic that we should leave for another day, but very important related to one of the questions asked, how do we have barakah in our wealth? I think that's a good topic to speak about. And what do you think? Inshallah, we speak about it one of these days. Inshallah, absolutely, absolutely. Sheikhna, Jazakallah khair. It's been lovely uh, chatting with you. And uh, inshallah, let me log off and bismillah ta'ala, uh, we'll meet on uh, the, the, the day after tomorrow, which should be Sunday. And we thank everybody for following. At the same time, if you've got topics that you want us to discuss, or you've got, uh, I think somebody's already speaking about perspective on stocks, etc. Inshallah, we leave that for another day. There's a lot of detail involved there. And uh, any other questions, any topics you would like us to discuss, please feel free to mention your suggestions and we'll try and look into them as best as possible. Remember, it's a discussion and we are giving guidelines. We are not giving specific rulings to specific people. For that, we encourage you to go to your local scholar. Sheikh Ibrahim, I think uh, that's about it for me. Okay. Assalamu alaikum. Barakallahu feekum wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.